Welcome to the Great Outside Podcast presented to you by Devil's Lake Tourism. I'm your host, Tanner Cherney. This week on episode 12, I sit down with my very own dad, Wayne. My dad drew a once in a lifetime North Dakota elk tag this past spring. We spent the past five days camping in the Badlands of North Dakota, battling wind, rain, sleet, snow, and pretty much anything mother nature could throw at us. Tune in to hear the story of how our five days of do-it-yourself elk hunting went for us out west. All right, we're recording. I want to give you an audio check. Check. Perfect, I can hear both of us. All right, good. Uh, It's been a while since we've done one of these. You counting your miles over there? (laughs) Steps. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is Tanner Churn here with the Great Outside Podcast. It's been kind of a a little bit of a hiatus since we've done our last interview, which has probably been mid-summer, and we got busy with fishing and everything, and I'm back here with my dad, uh, Wayne, who you all have met here if you've listened to the Father's Day special podcast. We are actually sitting um, here at last night of elk camp. We've, uh, what has it been? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so five nights? Five nights. Tonight's number five. So we've been out here in western North Dakota. Um, Thought it would be a good time to start back up with the podcast now that hunting season's in full swing. And for those of you that didn't know, uh, my dad did draw the once-in-a-lifetime elk tag for North Dakota. So we are out here in the Badlands, probably, as a crow flies, what did you say, 10 miles from uh, the Montana border? Yeah, I'd say so. And some beautiful country, and we're out here trying to... uh, Life got a little busy this summer, and we weren't able to make a lot of scouting trips out. Um, My girlfriend Gwen last year ended up having the same tag that you did and harvesting hers on December, I think it was like 21st is when uh, we had uh, the opportunity to seal the deal. So we had a little intel from last year and decided to go on a whim with that. And here we are five nights in and still scratching our heads trying to figure out where the heck these things are hiding. So I don't know, I'll let you uh, give a little bit of experience on, on how the hunt has been so far for everyone. Well, I think the hunt has gone great. It's just that coming out here kind of green, not really knowing where to even start to start looking and asking a lot of questions and getting the same answer from everybody saying, we haven't seen anything for elk out here anywhere. Um, So that part has been kind of a struggle, but as far as the time that we spent out here, it's been great. I mean, we've, we found beds, we found fresh poop, um, seems like we've been about a day behind with uh, locating. It's almost like how fishing goes. Ah, I should have been here yesterday. Pretty Last week, the bite was better. Pretty much. But also in the same token, the North Dakota elk season, I want to say open like the second full week of September, somewhere in that ballpark. And for those listening, anything, North Dakota was spitting image of everywhere else in the Midwest and West in the last month and a half and it's been abnormally high and yes you can hunt elk with rifle in north dakota during bugle season and we would have loved to have been out here granted it's a cow tag so the bugles wouldn't have been as crucial but it would have helped with locating elk and just experiencing all that but when uh, september highs were 95 degrees and you're talking a six eight hundred pound animal and you've got to get the cape off of it and you know, hike back a couple miles to your vehicle and making sure meat doesn't spoil because you owe the respect to the animal after you harvest it that you uh, ensure that every piece of meat gets put to good use. So it wasn't the most tempting of times to come out when you're 
you're dealing with hot weather like that. And here we are on the 17th of October and, you know, we've been out here for five days and we've battled wind, rain, snow, sleet. And I believe tonight they're talking an overnight low of like 14 or 16 degrees, which isn't necessarily unheard of for this time of the year for North Dakota. But uh, when you're talking four or five days in a row of it, it definitely is a, a little bit of a wake up call. Yeah, when we packed our gear to come out for this hunt, originally I had packed gear looking at the forecast the week before, and it looked like we were going to have highs in the 50s overnights in the 30s. So it was kind of a quick game change with bringing heavier clothing along because the day before I left, I looked at the forecast, and they started to see that it could be highs in the mid-30s and winds gusting. The one day that gusted up to 55, 55 miles an hour out here, so it was... Uh, it wasn't a very pleasant day out on the out sitting glassing and uh, hiking, but uh, thank God for the extra layer of clothing that we've had on. And it was wet, it was snowing on us for the better part of the afternoon. And the other day, the day after that, it rained on us pretty much all afternoon. Um, the one thing about the Badlands, it's titled what it's appropriate, because if you're out here in the rain and hiking and you get into the uh, gumboey clay, when it turns wet, it turns into just pure grease. It's hard to stand on the stuff. And then... You need skis for that. Cleats or skis. And then also, um, the late hike that we did today, The uh, I think the daytime high was 30 degrees here, or 31 today. It wasn't... Sure, the wind chills were like 13. But where we were at hiking out, I mean, using my trekking pole was not even penetrating into the clay it was bouncing right back at me so it was uh the ground was frozen it was just unreal we got down into the ravine things were okay but a little slick up there with uh, everything freezing up but you know with it being cold like that it's also really helped us when we do find fresh elk sign if we uh it, as disgusting as it sounds if we find some fresh poop dung whatever you want to call it and you you squish it and it crumbles apart you know with these overnight lows i've been getting that it's been recent within the last 12 24 hours or so because we've definitely found some stuff that's been fresher but it's definitely froze over hard so there is some benefits to it but you know this is your first hunt of the fall um you know we did a duck hunt for a day but like first big hunt of the fall and my second one and it's kind of a tale of two stories where i was uh, out in wyoming back in the middle of august and hunting mountain goats and it was 95 97 degrees during the middle of the day and hotter than heck headaches because you're so dehydrated you couldn't keep enough fluids in you and now here we are a month and a half later and two months later and 30 degrees for daytime highs 15 degrees overnight and you can't even drink enough water because you don't want to drink cold fluids because it's just you'd rather drink hot coffee to keep yourself warm but yeah thank god for good clothing and a, a good gear to keep you warm and out there longer because uh what we're doing right now is time behind glass is the most crucial thing we can do just to pinpoint where these elk are even yeah and i don't think i officially even seen one with our hunt dog, I know you had yeah. spotted five or three. So, so as the tale goes, you know, we're on day five and we have yet to put eyes on elk, both of us. I did the second night, technically our first full day here. We were glassing right before dark one evening on a very open spot. And I happened to uh, just put the glass out and look over and about a mile and a half out of the vehicle, I, I saw five cows that were right along a fence line. And 
let's just put it lightly, they weren't just staying there grazing. They were moving pretty fast and lost track of them, but uh, picked them back up, I don't know, half mile later and they were down a ravine and gone. So those were the only elk we have officially put eyes on in five days so far. But I think today was a, a, a kind of a recap. You know, we've got one morning left, um, but just kind of to go over how this week has gone. We got to camp, you know, Tuesday late afternoon and set the camper down and got everything kind of organized and didn't even throw any of our hunting clothing on other than just a jacket and decided to go right up, you know, right from camp where we are, you can go, I don't know, it's five, 600 yards up to the top of the, of the butte there. And we can glass for a couple miles. And last year, Gwen's Elk, we were able to glass right from there. So we figured if we've got daylight, why not get up there and just put some eyes to the sky and see what we could find. And we found a couple deer, but we didn't have any eyes on elk that evening. Then it started raining. True North Dakota fashion. And then lo and behold, the wind behind it picked up. So the next morning we went back up there and glassed and glassed and glassed and froze our butts off. And I wanted to bring coffee with me, but we decided not to, which we should have, because that would have kept us on the, yep. I shouldn't say mountain, because they're not mountains, but the hill longer. Um, but we got back to the vehicle and we decided to put boots on the ground and head into where we shot the elk last year because it's one of the only spots we've actually seen elk out here in the last five years that we've been coming out here bow hunting and got in there and we didn't see any elk. We saw a couple deer and we saw a few things of fresh sign, but that was about it. So we hiked, I don't know, eight and a half miles that day. Yep. And it's not like aimlessly hiking where we're just going through the bottoms and blowing thing out. Like we're totally dropping below the rim of the skyline and just inching our way through it, especially with how windy it was. We'd go a couple hundred yards, glass down the canyon, go further, and just kind of looking for any kind of fresh movement. And we struggled with that the first day. And that evening is when we moved a little bit farther north, about 10, 15 miles. And that's where everyone says the elk are generally taken out here so we decided to go up there and that's where i saw those five but I, I don't know maybe i was seeing things but i know for a fact there were five elk in my binos for about 13 seconds yeah and with everybody saying that's where we needed to be so the following day that's where we went back and started up and that's where we hiked in which was a uh, really cold morning I think we needed the ice house with to pop up with a little buddy heater in there and we could have glassed all day, but yep. without it, it was brutal, which is weird because we ice fish and we can sit outside at five above with a 15, 20 mile an hour wind and fish all day long over a little ice hole with our Vexar running. But God, you throw 30 degrees with a 15, 20 mile an hour wind looking straight into the wind glassing. I mean, an hour after that, I was chilled to the bone. Yeah. So it was time to go warm up and put together a little bit different game plan for the afternoon, which again, we got us hiking into that area over there, which we knew that there had been elk over there because you did find um, one that had been harvested earlier this year over there. So everybody's correct, they are there, but I don't think that's, uh, if, it is, if it's home base for them in that area, um, it's pretty broad. And we're, I mean, I know there's people that out there that know everything about elk. I mean, we're relatively new to the whole elk world. I mean, our first elk hunt was in 2015, 
Yep. I think. And here it is, 2020. So we've only been, this is officially our fifth fall elk hunting. And we took one fall off. We, 15, we went to Montana. 16, we took off. 17, we went to Colorado. When I harvested my bull. 18, we went back out for years with a little, little success. And then we went back out 19 and you got your first bull. Yeah. I should say first elk. And then Gwen's elk lives last December, so a month after year. So, yeah, it's not a lot of elk hunting experience. So I know there's probably a lot of things we're doing wrong, but, you know, everyone I talk to always talks about the best experience, uh, the best way to learn is just getting out there and doing it. You're going to learn from failures. You're going to learn from everything um, that you did wrong. Some things will go right. And, you know, they say in North Dakota, the average elk hunter spends 17 days out there before they officially harvest their elk. And last year we were very fortunate. We shot ours on the first day and here we are in five days and we're still waiting to officially see one. So we're thinking that since last year we shot on day one, this year your elk's gonna probably take 33 days. Probably so we can make the law of averages work out for the state average. And not only that, but Gwen's brother has got a tag too. So, I mean, we might as well make it 66 days. I don't think there's that many days left in the season. Oh my gosh, it's October 17th and the season closes December 31st. I'm not that great at math, but uh, I don't think there's that many days left. So, Actually, there would be. Be pretty close. The month of November and December would get you 60. And we've got a few days left. Yeah, we'd have to start right away. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, we're just going to leave the camper out here for the next two and a half months and check in periodically. But no, it's, it's been a learning experience and... You know, the biggest thing I think is just not pushing it too much where we've tried to, uh, we've put a lot of miles on, I think in the last uh, four or five days, we've put on close to 30 miles. Yep. And, you know, I know you have done all your part in the last couple of years to get in pretty good shape. And I'd say for 58 years old, you can keep right up with the best of them. Uh, I feel like I had a little bit of a starting advantage this year after the mountain goat hunt that normally I'd be on the same playing field as you. But you kept right up, and I mean, today we were crawling on our hands and knees because we were coming into this draw, um, which I guess I should leave for a little bit later when we uh, finish up how our week went. So they'll just leave that as a little carrot there to dangle out for people to listen a little bit longer. There you go. But so day two, we uh, yeah we spent that day out there, and we tried to circle that whole area where those five cows were running around and. We just never could rummage up where they went. If there was any other, there was no hunting pressure then because out here you notice during the middle of the week, it's it's pretty void of people, but you get to about Friday, Saturday, it gets busy. We had one other group of hunters that day we were elk hunting, we heard shoot and they were antelope hunting out here. Um, but other than that, I don't know what happened to those elk if they took off to the next planet, the next county, whatever it may be. But we did our best to try to get back on them and just never were able to to pull it off no we weren't the following day so that'd be day number three was kind of a groundhog day it was kind of the same routine all over again um we started out with the glassing in the morning and by midday snow showers hit and you know day number three was that that was yesterday right yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. I'm just trying to... 
for those of you that uh, understand, when you get out here, there is no cell service. And, you know, we periodically check in back on the home front in the evenings. We got a little hill behind camp here where we get service where we can text and call back to the family. And But other than that, you're not around social media or not around Internet. So to have tried to remember what day it is or even date has been tough to figure out. So what day is today then? Today is Saturday the 17th. Okay, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we went from we went from wet on one of the days to wetter the next Thursday day. was the day we were wet. And Friday was the day when we got wetter. Yep. That was the day of well, I don't know, one of the days we had the most weird weather with snow squalls. It would be sunny and hot when I shouldn't say hot but sunny in 35, which felt warm, yep. for about an hour, hour and a half. And then it was literally, you could see a front moving in and it would just be sheer white out with snow. And that would last for 20 minutes and blow through and be sunny again. And then it would just, I mean, and we kind of figured those days that the elk were probably pretty well bedded up and not moving too much. Or if they were moving, it was in the woods and the thick areas of the valleys and not out in the flats where uh, we had saw those ones that night. But it definitely challenged and gave us some adversity to deal with. Because you couldn't see more than a quarter mile part of the time when the snow swells were coming through. And I think that lasted pretty much the rest of that day because the ground was white. Yep. Well, by the time we got done where we were at. Um, so we kind of marked that one off as what else can you do? I mean, it's just the weather. It's, it's kind of playing its playing its uh, mother's nature's thing. But you also can't just go back to camp and write the day off because you know that when you do that, that's when something's going to happen. And you got to be out there because you can't catch a fish from the couch. You can't shoot an elk from the couch. You've got to be out there, boots on the ground. And I think the most miserable worst days are the most memorable you don't remember those 75 degrees sunny days when everything's beautiful out and when you're hunting, but you remember those days when it's 30 degrees and you're slipping down the side of a butte and, or, or today when I rolled over and I started crawling over this one little edge and I hit a cactus that I didn't realize was there because there isn't a lot of cactus out here. But there's some. But there's some and that little spot we were glassing from this evening definitely had a lot of it. and. So it's always those kind of little situations that make you really remember the hunt for what it is and will stick with you forever in the rest of your life. And then, so last night, um, coming back to camp, I mean, the roads are just like grease and it was like, well, how's this going to be in the morning? Um, but lo and behold, I can't believe that for as cold as it was, that the roads, the trails dried out as quickly as they did and actually it was very pleasant out there hiking today compared to the last two it was beautiful and you know to, to round out yesterday we ended up going into a spot when they were right before dark i mean it was probably three hours before dark and we figured if we gave ourselves a half hour hour to hike we could glass for two hours and had a plan because there was some private land that was bordered this public grasslands and the only way into this spot was a, a pretty daunting hike. And we took off and we knew it was supposed to rain. Well, luckily the rain held off, but we got halfway in there. And there is one little sliver from the other direction that you could come in on this spot. And it's not even 
probably half half the distance of what we were going to do. But the wind was from the wrong direction, so we had to come in the way we did. Well, we got in there, and we were in a little valley, and it was kind of uh, open in this spot, meadowy, I should say. And you could see it literally looked like a game trail highway. And we did see some fresh elk sign in there within the last day, and we thought we had a couple whiffs of some musty smells, yep. which those that aren't familiar, when you're elk hunting, and you get that whiff of musk that you know there's elk there or have been there very recently. And then you happen to like basically tap me on the shoulder and say, look up and here across the canyon, there was a bow hunter for mule deer already sitting up there in the direction we were heading, which kind of stuck because we had, excuse me, had the wind in our face and we were going to be working this little valley going up this piece of grasslands to where he was sitting, but it just didn't work out, which in the long run, I'm glad it didn't because we would have never found what we did today if it were for that because that kind of took the wind out of our sail a little bit after after seeing that. And I mean, we ran across, I don't know, 15, 20 mule deer yesterday hiking into that spot and they had no clue. I mean, I think we spooked a couple whitetail, but other than that, the, everything was pretty well planned out with the wind and the rain and kept our scent down and yep. we were pretty stealthy. But before we got back... Halfway through that hike, turning around is when the rain set in on us, and it just progressively got heavier. And I think we got heavier by the time we got back to the truck because uh, we were drenched. Cold, wet, wind, rain. Um, so my biggest concern was not how the day turned out, it was how we were going to dry out our clothes for the next day to be ready to go again. But surprisingly... Um, it worked out. Everything was dried out. We were ready to go again this morning with dry clothes. And Well, thank God for the ice castle. Thanks, Gwen. A uh, little Honda generator and heat. Does makes, miracles. Makes all the difference in the world. And merino wool. Yeah, I love merino wool. We were kind of joking earlier. We were talking about how we've got all these clothes packed. And we we're like, we literally didn't need to pack any of it because we wore the same base layers, the same jacket, vest. Every day. Every day. And... The beauty of, you know, throwing on a little pit stick deodorant in the morning, you have the merino wool. That stuff wicks away moisture, keeps you dry, keeps you cool, keeps you hot. kind of works in every facet it can, but it doesn't stink like cotton does. And it doesn't, if it gets wet within an hour inside in a, a controlled environment like this in the camper, dries out just like that. So it's a game changer when it comes to uh, hunting in the elements. Well, it looked like we had washed clothes in here and had them, we had them hanging everywhere from the cabinetry in here to try to get some air movement to dry things out because it was just, it was wet. But I was amazed by this morning, everything was totally dry, we were good to go. It makes a big difference. In a boot dryer too. Just having a little bit of electricity. Hot coffee is even better, like yeah. just all the creature comforts that we were kind of joking about how, you know, if we were in a tent right now, it wouldn't be, I mean, it would still be enjoyable and it'd be great and we'd have a little heater going, but you wouldn't be able to get up and move around. You'd have to, um, you know, go outside to use the bathroom. You just, things don't dry out it, and things get wet and it's just, as you can hear, the heater kicking on right now, which I'll just turn off a little bit so we don't get the background disturbance of that. But, uh, We'll see if it decides to kick off. Like we have a thermostat in here and we know it's 72 degrees, which 
when it's 22 outside right now and you walk in here, it feels dang good. Um, but today we woke up and I know I snoozed my alarm a little bit, but normally I'm pretty gung-ho to get out and go in the morning. But after three, four mornings or three mornings, four nights of glassing and glassing and hiking and glassing and more glassing and just not seeing animals... I mean, seeing animals, seeing mule deer, we've saw a ton of mule deer. And, and turkeys. And turkeys and antelope galore. But just not seeing the thing you're targeting, it, it kind of takes the wind out of your sail a little bit. And the spot we were going to glass from this morning, we didn't have to hike in. It was a new area. And uh, we could do it from the vehicle and cover a little more ground and kind of some pull-off spots where we could glass for 15, 20 minutes. So I wouldn't call it sleeping in, but we didn't... Uh, leave the camper by 5 30 we we waited till about 6 6 15 for a little more daylight and just to see see a little bit better but it was a another productive morning other than elk i think we saw a really nice antelope yep that wanted to be shot like a couple times but of course we don't have a tag for that yep and we ended up um well like yesterday we went into town and had lunch which was nice change of pace and we went back today but we actually went south of town so where we're hunting right now it's about a 25 mile drive into town and our unit is about another 30 miles south of town for for elk hunting and last year i was out with a buddy of mine south of town and we ended up seeing two raghorn bulls now we didn't see any cows, but we know that there's elk in that area. So we decided to go for a little drive and wasted, I shouldn't say wasted, but spent most of the morning and part of the mid-afternoon checking that area out down there. And we ran into more hunters than we did any kind of wildlife. And if we had a few more days left in the, the trip, we would have probably spent a little more time down there and worked it but just knowing that we only had a day left and not having the most familiarity down there we decided to come back up to where Gwen shot her elk last year and just intuition and my gut telling me that you know we had those elk there last year late December we had some sign that was looked kind of fresh here this last week means you know I could be totally wrong in this but for whatever reason, in my mind, it tells me that those elk are using that more than just late season wintering grounds. And elk hunting in North Dakota is kind of a different cat when it comes to elk hunting because literally their only pressure, other than a few humans, I mean, there's a lot of bow hunters out here, but the elk unit we are in from north to south is 70 miles and from east to west is probably another 30. And I want to say there are 80 cow tags and like a hundred bull tags and so they don't get a lot of pressure more elk out here die from old age than anything so like last year when we shot that cow there were two there was a raghorn bull and a good solid 330 340 bull at 180 yards that just stood there and stared at us after we shot the gun and had no care in the world so just knowing that those elk were there um and they don't have a lot of pressure. I just thought that they had to be within a general vicinity. I didn't think those elk would be migrating cross country to a different continent because they were getting pressure of all these hunters targeting them. 
and uh, we kind of played the wind today. You know, we didn't get out of the vehicle until about 1.30, and we hiked into this spot, which would be as the crow flies, about a mile and a half from where the cow was harvested last December. And we didn't get in there more than probably a couple hundred yards, and we already saw a fresh elk bed, um, not just one bed, multiple beds, lots of fresh poop, just all kinds of fresh sign. And I mean, I don't want to tell the whole story. I think you have to pipe in and tell a little bit of your experience of it. Well, we started hiking and glassing, and and uh, you, you could have swore you seen two two elk over the top of the ridge in number three. Well, yeah, because. And not not to cut you off, but when we walked in, we literally got in from the road. It was probably five, six hundred yards, and we rounded this corner of the canyon. Winded her face, and I looked up. I mean, just all week, every five, ten minutes, you just got to glass everything you can in front of you, even if you've already looked at it, because you just never know how quick they come out and how quick they go back into the trees. But I looked up and I saw two big white butts kind of rounding over the hill and there was just a lot of pine trees up there and I couldn't see the faces and they looked abnormally large. There was a, we think, probably 90% chance it was a mule deer that was right below that kind of went up towards them and I rangered after we looked at them and A, I was shaking because we hadn't seen elk all week and I thought those were two cow elk that were going up the hill. And it was 457 yards, and I'm like, never in my life have I ever... If, if a mule deer stepped out at 450 yards, I would know it's a mule deer. And for whatever reason, I could not... I just, I think that one was a cow, a, a calf elk, and the other two were cows going over the hill. But I can never, neither confirm or deny it because we just don't know for sure. We went up there, there was fresh sign, but oh, yes. there was also a lot of deer tracks. A lot of deer tracks, but there were elk tracks that were fresh in that flat with little saddle that was up there what they were using for their highway to go in between the two draws. Um, but that was all, that was all fresh. Um, so we did our darndest to kind of get up into an area where we could kind of survey. And as we did, and as we continued to move on, um, a lot of highways up there and a lot more fresh poop that would have been there from today. So all the right signs were there. It's just that we were not able to finish it before the sunlight. <laughs> we ran out of day. Um, but we were there. We we're in the right vicinity. So We're starting to sound like musky fishermen. I think so. We call a good day finding fresh elk poop, where it's like, you know, the fish of 10,000 casts, a good day is having a follow, which to each their own. And I mean... We just feel like this week has been a learning curve for us, and we knew it wasn't going to be a, a walk in the park and easy slam dunk. And just the fact that we were able to kind of put a game plan together, and you know, we know there's elk in that canyon. There's, I, I think, from east to west, it's about two miles. And now, average North Dakotans like two miles, like that's nothing. Like I can see that as the naked eye. But when you throw about 800 feet of elevation and 12 canyons in those two miles, there's a lot of ground to cover. There's a lot of trees for them to hide in. You can't cover it all because you've got to play the wind to the right direction because not only do elk have excellent eyes, but their noses are even better. 
And, you know, the, the great thing to know is those elk were there in December. They're here now. Um, we shot one out of there. So they're not going to be spooked out of there, hopefully, by any pressure. I think there's enough country in there where they can seek shelter. And, you know, it's a lot of this is just learning different habitats. I mean, we've hunted elk in Montana in the thickest of timber and blowdowns. And we've hunted them in Colorado in the, the sage flats where it's wide open, but it's still mountainous. And now you've got here where it's kind of a mixture of all of it. Yeah, well... We know that there's still more season left. We'll come back and try to finish it uh, as we get a little more time later in the fall. And hopefully that, and, and if we never do see an elk, it's still gonna be one of the greatest experiences ever to go out here with your son and just go out and enjoy the great outdoors and spend the time together and make memories. Well, that's, that's what it's all about. And, you know, the journey is worth more than the harvest and it's not the, the end all. And I don't know, we've, we've learned more than we could ever imagine in the last four days out here. And it's been a, a great experience. Um, is there anything else where, what else happened this week that we could tell everyone about? Everybody that we talked to said it's going to be a very tough hunt, literally. They said it's not a cakewalk out here to to find them, and it's like no, we agree. But, but that's also a part of the challenge. It is. It is. It's like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Which, right now, I'm coming off of two hunting trips where spent a week in Colorado, Wyoming looking for mountain goats, and we glassed our butts off every day and never saw one. And you know, same goes for this, but. It doesn't stop you. It doesn't ever deter you. I think it only makes that fire burn even more in you and wants you to come, keep coming back out. It's like losing a big fish or, you know, finding fish and can't get in a bite. Like, it just makes you want to keep going and keep learning and bring out something new. The only tough part about North Dakota is it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime deals where it's not like, okay, what did we do wrong this season? Can we change that next year? Right. It's literally like two this months from now, you can never hunt elk in North Dakota again. Yep. So it kind of, and but it also comes in the same token when you're out here experiencing something, you're like 99% of the people never get to say they get to elk hunt in North Dakota, and here we are elk hunting in North Dakota. So it's, That's right. it's kind of twofold in that scenario. Exactly. But uh, what else is there this week? We've just kind of been off grid, hanging out. In this crazy world that we live in right now, that it's no better time to just get out here and completely get away from everyone. Exactly. No rattlesnakes this year, which I wouldn't think there would be at 30 degrees. We had a couple <laughs> meal. Well, I mean, I do have a bow with me because it's also archery meal deer season, and I've got an archery tag, and you just never know. Like last year, we finished the hunt early and we had actually saw a couple nice mule deer that were bedded and it's like god if i would have my bull with we could have probably made a stock and now that i've got it with of course it doesn't always happen that way but we're we're loaded for bear we've got shotguns for grouse or if there's a rogue pheasant in the middle of the badlands we've got archery equipment for mule deer we've got the rifle for elk i mean we uh 
come driving up this road yesterday and I thought those are the biggest morning doves ever sitting on the power lines. And yeah, lo and behold, and I'd never seen a grouse sitting on the power lines before, but there were three of them sitting on the power lines above us up there and it was just the funniest thing ever because usually you see a morning dove or a small blackbird or whatever sitting on the power lines up above, but um, we had to stop, take a better look at it because it's like, are those grouse sitting they up just, there? They didn't look right up there. They look awful funny for them sitting on a big, big transmission line. But it was, it was grouse. And as soon as we stopped the vehicle, you can tell they haven't shot at because they boogied right now. They were gone. They flew to Montana. I think so. But if anyone watches us hunt, whether it's mule deer or elk, they're going to be like, those people don't even see anything because they're constantly looking down. And that's because my girlfriend has got me hooked on rock hounding. Her and her brother are huge into looking for unique rocks and everything. So not only are we constantly looking down for elk poop right now, but we're also looking down for rocks and arrowheads and anything you can find. And you actually found a pretty cool rock this week. I did. So I took a picture of it and I sent it to my wife and I said, here, this is going to be your present I'm bringing home for you. And she goes, love it. So. And for those that have never been to the Badlands, um, especially if you're in North Dakota, you, you must see it because it's truly one of the most breathtaking areas. I mean, the mountains I love, but there's something about out here that's just unreal, untouched. And to think it's, in North Dakota, it's four and a half, five hours from your doorstep in Devil's Lake. It's literally two and a half hours from my doorstep in Bismarck. And you get out here and you got loads of petrified wood that are fallen from these cliffs and buttes that are just laying there. And I mean, we found one yesterday that literally looked just like a stump that had been cut off about three feet off the ground. And yeah. it, it's a rock. It's petrified wood. And there's the mica that you see out here that looks like glass shards everywhere you go. And you've got, obviously, loads and loads of scoria roads, but there is all kinds of different unique rocks. And I don't know, sounds nerdy when I say it, but flora and fauna out here. Yep. And there's all the wild junipers with the berries and the ground forage. And it's, I mean, in the last four and a half, five days, it's like we've been in Arizona Utah, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, all in one trip. And we also took time to go check out the, what do you call the trail out here? The Matahe Trail. We spent about an hour walking, hiking on that just to kind of check it out, just in one little area. And it's uh, the part that I seen was awesome. I'd like to come back and spend more time on that. Except I do remember you saying, you're supposed to ride your bike up this little part? Yeah. And that's only one of them of like the hundred and some miles there is. And then we also did take a little drive by uh, the original Elkhorn Ranch, which was where Teddy Roosevelt called home for a few years, right along the Little Missouri River, which is pretty dang cool to think about how not only are you elk hunting near the Elkhorn Ranch, but to think about, he's one of my favorite presidents is Teddy Roosevelt, just a great person. And, you know, what we take for granted as we're sitting in this insulated camper right now, technically ice house with heat and lights and you know we don't have running water but we're literally sitting in the grass lines right off the road in just a random spot that's protected and we're about 25 miles uh from the town of medora and he was 35 40 miles from the town of medora up there on his ranch and they didn't have any of these luxuries and they rode horseback on that and it, it just 
it puts you back into time and think about, you know, how fortunate we truly are to live in the world we do right now. It's, it's unreal. The only thing I'd like to say is that, you know, we're doing this on the, the grasslands up here and people need to come out and enjoy and take in um, the public lands that are here in North Dakota. Take advantage of it. They're there for you to use. Use them. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's so many opportunities out here. Hunting's just one of them. I mean, from elk hunting to mule deer hunting to antelope to sharp tails, pheasants, um, what do they call it? Dispersed camping. I mean, people that have never been camping before, you got to come out and experience something like this. I mean, we can step out the door and I've seen a lot of stars in my life, but this is truly probably one of the most darkest places you'll ever get to. Like the Big Dipper literally looks like you could reach out and grab it. Like the light pollution on here doesn't exist. It's unreal. Um, it's, Skies are black. It's, it's quiet. You got coyotes hauling at night. Um, you've got the Matahe Trail out here that you can hike, you can bike. You've got horseback riding. It's just, you know, kind of a step back in time to the Western uh, lifestyle, which I think is something I would have loved to have. You know, if there was a time period for me to grow up in other than what I did, I would have loved to have been a Western cowboy where you horseback riding, bounty hunter, all that kind of stuff. But this is like the next closest thing to that is just being out here in the the true West where... Literally, there is no cell service. You, a few peaks here and there, you might get it. Other than that, we're relying on our GPSs. And and everybody out here has been very friendly and easy to talk to, which has been very genuine. It's a, it's a typical North Dakota kind of ordeal. Yep. So, no, it's been a great week at Elk Camp. And, uh, you know, we've still got one morning left. It's going to be a shorter morning, but... You know, we're going to get up and have our coffee and go hit a quick little ridge line and glass where we were at this evening, where we know there are elk. And just see if we can't, if we can put glass on our cow and the wind's in our favor, we're going to go after her. If we can't, we're going to come break camp, head back home, clean up, get back to work. And then hopefully in the next month or two, you'll hear from us again as we uh, check in from elk camp saga number two. That's right. North Dakota. It's uh, it's a quick little, it wouldn't take much for us to round up if the weather changed and we knew that things would be moving. We literally have everything packed. It's just a matter of getting our butts out here and start hunting. We're not going to give up yet. No. And if however it turns out, it's, it'll be a success just from spending the time with my son, enjoying the great outdoors um one more memory to uh think about into the future and uh what better way to do it than out here with my dad so it's been a great week we've built a lot of memories and um you'll have everyone else to go on facebook we'll have a bunch of photos from this trip it's been unreal and just uh it's quick how these trips go so quick because it's literally weeks before leading up to it we're trying to figure out what we need to pack everything's ready to roll and the day hits you get here and it already seems like it's the day you're leaving it just time flies when you're having fun that's right but we'll be back at her so 
you know, you never know. If we get lucky tomorrow morning, we might just do an impromptu uh, from the field check-in. But if not, you'll hear from us in the next month or two when we get back out here to Western North Dakota for elk camp number two. So thanks again for everyone listening to The Great Outside. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.